Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and these beers are going to take a toll on us. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading The Phantom Toll Booth by Norton Juster? Juster? And illustrated. I bought my copy at Target, uh, and it was <laughs> illustrations by Jules Pfeiffer. But you, we can't see the illustrations. This is an audio thing. Uh, someone's going to start with a beer. Does anyone have a preference? This is by Collective Arts, and it is called Stranger Than Chocolate and Coconut, which is another <laughs> in their series called Stranger Than Fiction. Honestly, chocolate and coconut is not that strange. Yeah, but this is stranger than that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's setting the bar pretty low. There should be a lube company called Stranger Than Friction. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. Those are for the top tier patrons. All right. Uh. This, is, this is a porter. It says porter with natural flavors, and it is 5.5% alcohol. It's it's really very thin, which is a little bit disappointing, but it is quite coconutty. So way to go. Good for them. What's I wouldn't the say it's that strange, though. So uh, uh, Norton Juster, that's how I'm going to say it, and if it's wrong, he can't correct me, uh, just died. Uh, Juster in- died. Just, just he died yesterday. Uh, he died in uh, early March of 2021. If you're listening from the future, uh, as an old old man, but he wrote this book, The Phantom Toll Booth, way back in 1961, uh, and it's a you know it's a, a chapter book. It's not a it's not what we would call a young adult book, but it was you know it's a children's novel. So it's fucking. But was weird. it though? Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I suggested we read this, besides the fact that um, he died and we could cash in on that somehow in case people were like Googling it, is that I had read something in his you know, obit, this article about him dying, I found that they said the Phantom Tollbooth is the rare children's book that you could revisit at many points in your life and get new things out of it or something to that effect. Because you forget so like, it every time. Well, I had never read the book. Someone gave me a copy of it as a gift and I'd never opened it. Um, it's been sitting on my shelf, and uh, here it is. And then it's my, my friend Mark. He stole this from his uh, library, I think, and uh, gave, <laughs> he gave it to me. Uh, so I wanted to read it at some point. So I was like, oh, cool. You could read a kid's book and pad my Goodreads count a little bit, and it should be fun. But it's a little, uh, it's a little weird. I guess we get into the plot and we can talk about it afterwards. Who's it for? This is a book I actually did start when I was a kid because, you know, people liked it and it was famous and stuff like that. I want to say I made it to about chapter three. Then I was like, hmm, don't like it. And then <laughs> stopped reading. Because there were parts in the first couple of chapters that were very familiar. And Nate started a pattern that would continue for the next 80 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. I abandoned no a book problem. you didn't like. <laughs> Because if it sucks, why would I keep reading it? There are other books that I might actually like that I want to read. We've yeah. had this fight before. I think sometimes, I'd say more often than not, I find it's worth to stick through with a book to the end. There's something to be gotten out of it. And three three chapters in a book this short is definitely way too quickly to give up on it, but, but I still the next want to do. 17 chapters are all more of the same thing. <laughs> it really didn't yes. change. So the uh, the story focuses on Milo, a young boy who uh, is like bored and sucks at being a student. He's having his midlife crisis at the age of ten. Well, because he is, well, maybe he lives in like a third world nation where that's the life expectancy. So Milo is, you know, he sucks at school and he's always kind of getting yelled at for being a shit student, and he hates that just as you much know. as he hates everything else. Yeah, he's like angsty. 
before, you know, like precociously angsty. Yeah. And then he goes... He's above grade level in angst. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 but approaching standards and everything else. He worries, he worries at a seventh grade level. He's kind of like I got the. I feel like if this book came out today, with a few tweaks, they could have made him a child with some sort of like special need, like whether he's like on the autism spectrum or like he's some sort of emotional, like it's just something. Like he's all like he's just. Like if this book were a modern book, they I think they would have pushed a little bit more as opposed to just being like he's a he's a kid who hates school. Like that's not really going to sell these days. Well, if it was a Roald Dahl book. Both of his parents would have just died in a car accident. Or were eaten by a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hippo? Rhinoceros? Rhinoceros and James and the yeah. Giant Peach. Does he even have parents in this? I mean, I guess he does, but they don't mention him. I don't think they get mentioned much at all. Maybe he doesn't have parents. Maybe that's why he's so sad. Well, Maybe his parents were of... dead in the house and no one's found them yet. Maybe, since it turns out at the end that this is all a fucking dream, maybe the gas got them already and he just woke up in the middle of that... They're all dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> yes, yes, and this is his, his, as, as, his brain as, is shutting down. His, his God intervenes and is like, wake up, you need to go learn to read. And he's like, I have a new meaning to live. <laughs> oh, spoiler. So he's like, I forget exactly how he wanders into the other kingdom. He shows there's up. There's a toll booth. There's a, he goes home and there's a box in his living room saying, this is for Milo. Oh, Build yeah. this. He's like, oh, an interdimensional for transporter. who has plenty of time. Yeah. There you go. And it's literally, you have to, he had to put it together himself. And it was a toll booth. One genuine turnpike toll booth. He's like, oh, fuck, where's, I need some nickels. Hold on. This is way before Easy Pass. Since he had to build it himself, do you think that it was just an Ikea thing? It was a toll bot and it was like an interdimensional <laughs> transporter, like you just or your coffee really table? Yeah. <laughs> He just put the uh, he just misas- uh, misassembled it a little bit. It should yeah. have been a really cute uh, bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> if you build them wrong, weird things happen. One major question I had about the book was: just What one. about this toll booth is phantom like? Oh well, is it there when he wakes up out of the dream? It's not, or is like it's no, it's not. It's just right? gone from the plot. It, I think it was just an interesting name to name the book. I don't think yeah, it's I never thought about even that. called no. at the a end. He gets toll booth the, in the in the book. At the end, he gets the letter that's like, "Hey, thanks for using that toll booth. You understand why I had to come fetch it, right? Thanks." So it's not there. Like, who keeps breaking into my house? Fucking the mailman needs to like really learn limits. <laughs> um, so he builds this toll booth, and then he gets in his Power Wheels car. And <laughs> zoom, zoom, zooms on onto a, on a an alternate 16 dimension. volt battery. Yeah. <laughs> and the first person he meets is the dog, right? And he meets Tok, who is a dog that's half dog, half clock. And, uh, you know, like one of those. He's a watchdog. But who only, he's a watchdog. <laughs> but oh, yeah. he only goes tick. Yeah. And then when Milo brings it up, the dog weeps bitterly. And it goes through for, because you need to know this, how his older brother... His the dog's older Tick, brother, but is. he only goes talk, and the parents are like, we won't get it wrong this time. We'll name him Talk, and he only goes Tick, and he's like, it's really frustrating. It's on par with James Joyce-level despair. It's like, sometimes it's one of that's why the dog is like, you know, it gets me down, but then I remember I could lick my own balls, so then I, that doesn't, you know, swings and roundabouts. And he's rarely late. And it's cute. This is, this is the theme of the book, right, really, uh, or not theme, but like pattern of the book. He's a watchdog, but he's a dog with a 
watch on him. That's and right, kids. It's all puns from here out. It it is pun heavy, and <laughs> it's what every uh, child loves. <laughs> you know what? Kids do like puns. Some of them, but, yeah. But I don't know if they love puns by the time they get to the age to read a two hundred fifty page chapter book. And also, I don't know if they'd actually maybe maybe in nineteen sixty one. But some of these puns are a little above their head. Like I'm the census taker, and they're like, oh, it's the guy who does the census, of course. You know, that thing that our Constitution demands every 10 years. <laughs> An enumeration. <laughs> that this is, this is what's going to happen. So he finds, he goes there, and he goes to uh, Dictionopolis, which is not a gay Greek bar, but... Could be. Could be. The city of words. He finds out that they basically had a, a civil war <laughs> uh, with the, the, the... What the hell is it? King Azaz. King A-Z-A-Z, Azaz, I guess is how you're supposed to say it. Azaz? Azaz. He's got a lot of pizzazz. Yeah. Digitopolis is the uh, rival math town. And he meets the weatherman. Carl Weathers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Carl Weathers. That's why we haven't seen him in so long. He lives in this alternate plane of existence. And honestly, Carl the weatherman Weathers. I think that's who he meets. (laughs) He tells you whether there's going to be weather doesn't tell you what the weather is. He tells you whether there's going to be weather. Because isn't that more important? Yeah. It's the most pedantic plane of existence there is. And at least if you finish reading this book as a child, you, f- you figure out how to spell the two different types of weathers. <laughs> because you fell, for it the f- you fell for it when you first met him. But you're still not sure which one Carl Weathers is. <laughs> <laughs> and whether you got it right or not. But it's so, something yeah. you'll have to uh, think about. Because you're going to be like Milo when he ends up in this alternate dimension. And he starts to question the nature of reality itself with all these strange things going on. He's going to have to really rethinker about it. <laughs> this is a rethinker. It's a blueberry mead with hops Ooh. from New Day Craft or New Craft Day. I can't remember. 6%. Who knows what it's going to be like? I don't know. Good Lord. It smells interesting. Jimmy made about 11 different facial expressions there. And for a guy who has no emotions, that's intense. I don't know how I feel about this. It's not my favorite. It is, it's kind of It's kind of like a watery mead. It's kind of light, 6%. Meads are usually like yeah. double digits. But it's like a mead beer hybrid. It's a session mead. Yeah. And it's in a tiny can. Or, you know, we used to call them a regular sized can. <laughs> There's a faint blueberry vibe to it. It's just, it's an odd... It's kind of an odd mixture of things that I don't know if they go together. I think if it was done differently, it would be very interesting. It's interesting. I don't want it. Sorry to hear that. It's interesting, though. Kind of like this book. Yeah, kind of. So uh, he finds out, basically, that he, he joins up with the with fucking the watchdog, and then they meet this other asshole, the humbug, who's fighting with the spelling bee. And the spelling bee is just a just an annoying person. <laughs> it's a bee, of course, but he every like word he has to then spell because he's a, you know a spelling bee. Uh-huh. And the humbug is just a bullshitter who just uh, bloviates and is never right ever, which is kind of funny. And various scenes when they ask a question and it's like blah blah blah. The humbug said incorrectly. <laughs> like just he's always wrong. Yeah, he's pretty dumb. And uh, they need to then, essentially, they find out that, they find out about the, the war, you know, it's kind of like the War of the Ring, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> the math guy, the math nerds, led by the mathemagician, 
and um, the letters dudes um, led by King as 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 who whatever. are brothers who are brothers they have their two kingdoms and they had uh, their two sisters I think were uh, rhyme and reason their and daughters. They, or daughter? Uh, I think they were sisters. They like found them. I thought. They're, so they're adopted sisters. I, I have no idea. Whatever. These two other these two ladies rhyme and reason, and they settle disputes, and they come to a very reasonable response to whatever the stupid dispute was between the brothers. And they're like, "How about you both go mind your own fucking business?" And then the guys are like, "No, one of us has to be right." And so then they like lock them up in jail, but it's fantasy jail, so they're in the castle in the air. And uh, since then, the land has had noted absence of rhyme and or reason, and and the plot ensues. Uh, okay, so we've kind of skipped through a bunch of it. They their oh, first back, Milo's we, I mean, they, at they, the, the, the word picture. market. Oh yeah, yeah. with uh, oh, office you know, a short by order of or King Azaz, the unabridged King of Dictionopolis. And there's uh, one where they really needed a thesaurus, but they didn't say it. They said it was the dictionary. It's like no. Come on, you're listing different words for country. <laughs> country, nation, state, commonwealth, realm, empire. That's a thesaurus, sorry. Oh, was that like thought. the five fucking uh, like advisor guys? The, that yeah, the ca- presidential mm-hmm. cabinet or whatever. Yeah, I've heard like the undersecretary of douchebaggery and the viscount of this and the yeah, they magistrate the of five words. ways every time. That's kind of fun. Uh, so eventually, Milo goes to the palace and meets King Azaz. Uh, and then he's, after this big dinner, oh yeah, I gotta go. There are a lot of chapters to this book. <laughs> it's the one where they have to eat their words. <laughs> so he's like, make a speech. And like he's like, oh, I don't even know who to thank. And he's like, that's a shit speech. And then the other guy's like, oh, my speech is chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, wow, I thought I was, you know, weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, my, sp- my speech is hoagies. And they're just like, oh, this is- I'm not sure if what kind of party. And then they are brought out the food, but he has to eat like a thank you. And it's just like letters, I guess. I don't really know what it There's is. There's a bunch of A's that taste not great. They taste like ass. Yeah. <laughs> they taste like whatever the worst thing you could spell with them is. <laughs> and then, so Milo says that he is going to go rescue the sisters rhyme in reason. Oh, but it's so going to be so difficult. Oh, well, what they say is, okay, but there's something we have to tell you about it, but we're not going to tell you till you get back. Okay. So they, so anyway, they, they go on this thing through more chapters of absurd nonsense. It felt very Roald Dahlish. A lot of this just like, I mean, goofy really, characters. I was thinking more, Alice in Wonderland, and then mm, I saw in the introduction, it literally mentions uh, Alice in Wonderland. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, makes I got sense. it. But also, the Wizard of Oz, like the well, book, well, like not, going necessarily the the, not necessarily the... Uh, not exactly the, the product the actually everyone likes. <laughs> yeah, not the version <laughs> that's good. In this one, it was like every single chapter was a different weird thing, so that they didn't really even feel connected. It was just like he was going somewhere and... Then he came across a weird thing. Like he came across a boy who's floating in the air because they grow down instead of grow up. So your head always stays the same si- size. Head always stays stays the same size. Height. And then there was a guy who was the tallest midget and the smallest giant and the thinnest, fat skinniest, 
Yeah, skinniest yeah. fat guy. He's like, I think you're just the same guy. He's like, don't tell anyone. It's like, well, what's the con here? I'm collecting social security for all of them. <laughs> My brothers are all dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, have a, I, I can't wait for this beer. It's like every place he goes to, it's like, you know, it's a weird thing. Everything's like in a different key or a different tonality. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is called tonality, which is another word for key, music theory nerds. And it's a triple IPA from Finback that's dry hop with Citra, Cashmere, Citra Cryo, Cashmere Cryo, Mosaic, Amarillo, and Falconer's Flight. What? Falconer's Flight must be an indie band. That has to be. <laughs> right? Like they're from Nebraska. Like a and they, have a, band. they have a girl singer and a, a washboard, but also a guy who plays six string bass. Like it's got to be a real thing. Yeah, I can see that. This is, a, this is actually a lot. Mm, this is a little maltier than their triple IPAs that I just drank a keg of last month. Uh, mm. been. That, was, that did damage. Uh, this time I <laughs> exercised caution and only bought a couple of four packs, you know, just to get through the week. This it's is great. Portion control. Yeah. But you always regret not buying more. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what Falconer's Flight's all about, but, you know, the cashmere and citra flavor. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of the hipper ones. I don't know any details about it. Falconer's Flight. Bluegrass band from Wisconsin. No, hold on. Um, oh, Falconer's Flight is like a blend of a bunch of hops, including citra, Columbus, Cluster, Crystal, Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. So it's sort of a blend. Do all those start with C? Yep. Hmm. And, then and so they're like, let's make it F. a thing that each word starts with F. <laughs> <laughs> how about like, how about cash? Like C-A-C-H-E, cash? Like that would have been a cute, like speaking of thesauruses, like it has all the C hops, a cache of them. Anyway, uh, it is a, uh, I mean, it, it's going to taste like those hops, you know, just like a slightly different variation. And since this also then uses citra, and two different forms, you know, you get, you know, it's great. It's a delicious IPA. Finback knows how to, how to make those. It's great. But the book, these great beers were brought to us by our patrons who give us monthly donations. And in exchange, so, we give them worldly pleasures. Technically, I mean, if you want certain things, you have to go to our OnlyFans account. But if you go to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, you can, in return for actual money, get uh, digital things. <laughs> like... Uh, early access to our episodes by two weeks, get to vote in our monthly book poll, get exclusive content just for patrons, and even get physical things like a Drunk Guys Book Club pint glass uh, and other things. I just actually sent out to two people a uh, mysterious other piece of swag that they uh, just got this week and, uh, you know, send out different things every so often. So if, if you're into that, if you want a uh, barware that's been it's heavily branded, this is the place for you. And if you're not into that, that's cool too. Just go leave us a review wherever you're listening. And if you want to leave a shitty review, um, you could skip that step and uh, just round up to five stars and no one will know you lied. So Milo, the dog, the watchdog, and the humbug go to rescue Rhyme the princesses. Which they find out, we skipped to they find out, I, I remember now, he's in jail with the old lady, the witch, but it's not not like, you know. The witch. The witch. Like, sandwich. <laughs> I don't um, think there's an H in that. Missed opportunity. She she tells the whole story, and they're in jail because Sh- Officer Shrift, who's really short, 
puts them in jail for dumb shit. He's like, go to jail for six million years. And she's like, oh, yeah, you don't actually have to stay here. You can just leave. And what they never ask her, and she's like, oh, I have to stay here. I was like, but wait, if we could just walk out, why can't you also just walk out? That never comes up. And she just stays there. She did some bad shit. That is quite a sentence. <laughs> she's like, you got to get out of here. I can't be this close to children, actually. <laughs> and like, oh, f- oh, shit. Okay. But short shrift. Is that something I don't know if kids would know anymore? That's like a kind I don't of even old, know that. Like short, you give something short shrift. It's like you not not as like enough attention or diligence or whatever. Take your word it's like for you're it. Just like you kind of like just. It's like you're dismissive. You know, you don't really. You know, you know this expression, Nate. Right? I, I invented not, that expression. Yeah, I know. Like I remember <laughs> on, the, on the Oregon Trail. But <laughs> Doesn't he arrive to the final battle riding a, a, a dachshund? dachshund? Yeah, he does. <laughs> on the wiener dog, because he's a wiener. Oh, no. The whole thing is actually this is an allegory about the police. Uh, the whole <laughs> book, I figured it out. <laughs> you got it. Crack the case wide open. So Milo, tick no talk. Milo, talk and the humbug. They go to rescue the princess, which basically means they have to go through a bunch of really other very strange, weird ass things. That's like the that's like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they go to the the town. Where everybody just looks down. That oh, was the whole yeah. chapter. They go to... <laughs> they, there's always like a clever... I thought that was like a glimpse back they get, into our they reality. Get with, they, they get to where they're going faster because they're just looking at where they're going and they're not bothering to stop to look at the buildings or, you know, everything like So then they're like, so why bother with any of it? Mm. And so there's literally nothing there, just a whole bunch of people walking around with their eyes on the ground. That's it. Great. I mean, really, the whole book is about seeing things from a new perspective. And in fact, I think this chapter is called A New Perspective. So, you know, that's kind of what the whole book is about, too. They go to place with an orchestra of colors. Oh, uh, man. Uh, African-Americans, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just Mike. But you laughed. I didn't so even think of that. <laughs> I did not think of it either. But that's uh, <laughs> okay. You know what? Okay, and then the next chapter is the place where that was a really funny. That was a really cool chapter, actually. <laughs> the conductor, or, the orchestra, their instruments just don't produce. They don't produce sound. They produce the different colors, and as soon as they stop playing, everything turns gray and and dark. And then the conductor's like, "All right, wake me up at five forty-three so I can conduct sunrise, so it'll be color again." And, of course, Milo is like, you know, I'm going to try this shit because apparently the orchestra players don't have to sleep and they'll just, there's no score. And uh, he he conducts them through a whole week. They're like (laughs) the Ron Burgundy of of orchestras where they'll just play. (laughs) If you just conduct in front of them, they'll just play. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm Ron Burgundy. (laughs) Who put the question mark? Classic film. Oh, my goodness. But I thought that was, you know, that was kind of cute. And then it's like, and no one ever knew that that whole week had passed because he kept like conducting the sunrise and sunset because he had no idea what he was doing. And I forget this, except for like this, except for people who accidentally woke up a few minutes early and saw a whole bunch of crazy shit in the sky. And they were like, I need my coffee. And then moved on. So he goes to that place. And then it's the, the oh, place it's with Chroma all the noise. was the guy's name. Chroma the Great was the conductor, which Chroma means color. Very clever. Then it's the place where with all the, the loud sounds... The Doctor of Dissonance. So it's just that. He writes atonal music. <laughs> I feel like Doctor of Dissonance is a is a member of P Funk. He's got to be. Like he's the cacophonous <laughs> A Discord. What's his name? 
That might not be P Funk. That's that's a Dream Theater song. <laughs> <laughs> or an entire Yes album. It's Cacophonous Discord in A. <laughs> <laughs> and we then also... there's the the Din, which is this monster. But it's spelt weird. Like the Dinan and it's D Y N N E, but Din D I N is the no, it's like a bunch of this is the word for a bunch of loud obnoxious sounds. It's the Gaelic spelling. I would need a G and an H in there, probably. They're silent. D H I N G H N H apostrophe H. And then they go through the village where there is no sound at all. And then Milo has to go to the castle in the village to like get the sound back from the evil. Because the, the din collects sounds, right? Is that what he does? Every time there's a sound, he sees Yeah, he goes out it. into the world and collects them for the doctor who has a collection of sounds like the BFG has a collection of dreams. That would be funny if like, just if the BFG had one jar that he had farted in and put the cap <laughs> on. <right laughs> and he's like, this kid sucks. Here's a dream kid. <laughs> just blew that in. And he makes them shit the bed. <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be awesome! Imagine like a, a twenty-seven foot tall man's fart. Oh, that can't be. Who only eats like the world's ugly, nastiest pickles? It's just fiber, all the oh, time. Horrendous. That air is humid. It sinks. It 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 it, it could change it's the like whole a, pH of like a town. Trench warfare. <laughs> Stench warfare. That's, Stay that's, tuned, that's, listeners, for our episode on the BFG coming in a few weeks. Oh yeah, spoiler. He doesn't actually fart in the jar. <laughs> Fuck. Much to our disappointment. Not in a jar, anyway. <laughs> he does. Yeah, that's true. There are some. There might be farts somewhere else in that book. I remember. All right. So then he he goes to a whole. Uh, he destroys the. He uh, destroys the castle somehow, right? Because he uh, he finds out that if he can like make a sound outside of the castle, it'll destroy it. So he says he stops himself in the middle of a sentence inside the castle, and then walks outside, and the word he's going to say is butt, and then he destroys the sound fortress with the power of his butt. If that's not, if that's not the real meaning of the whole story... Christmas. And Christmas, yeah. <laughs> and the Old Testament. The power of butt. <laughs> the power of butt compels you, and then he just unleashes a torrent. But conquers all. That's a weapon of ass destruction. <laughs> Then he finds his way to I'm literally flipping through the book. Yeah, like, there's, there's no way to remember it. I mean, it's I remember when did he get the, the the dodecahedron? That's next, remember, isn't it? Is that next? Kind uh, of next. What's yeah, a dodecahedron? Is that like it's a twelve sided die? Twelve. Okay. What's you know that if you Dungeons play D and Dragons, I thought that has oh, a twenty sided die in it though. Can be. We have to, the chapter oh, about can be the guy who can be all the things. Not much to that one. That's it. It's pretty much the whole joke. Oh, yeah, Dodecahedron leads the way, who has 12 faces. Yeah, and he's and like, well, then, you only have one face, and I have a face for each emotion. Here's my happy face and my sad face and my constipated face and my... You shouldn't need my, one of those and my o f- all the and time. And my O face. <laughs> I did think of, uh, I did think of uh, Office Space. Does he have an O face? Um, <laughs> he does. Did you see that movie, Nate? Oh, come on. Yes, I have seen that. There you go. This is when they finally actually meets the mathemagician, right? Yes, because here in Digitopolis, they uh, they work in the numbers mines where they dig up numbers. Oh yeah, and they just throw away all the diamonds and rubies, 
and sapphires. He was like, we have no use for those. I thought it'd be really funny if at the end, if the book just ended there, and Milo was like, you know what? I'll get rid of them for you. And then he was just independently rich. He's like, fuck school. I don't need to do that shit. I didn't need algebra. Suck a dick, Dewey Decimal System. And he just has a, like a giant card of diamonds. That would be way. That would have been a really great ending. No one learned any lesson. Just greed works, kids. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Oh, all right. Yeah, there you go. Literally. He's mad and he's like, I, I won't help you because he like, there's like a weird trick thing that happens, right? They never, they, they can never agree on anything. So the, he meets the math magician and there's like some, they do some math funny little like puzzle games. Uh, they have the meal where oh, yeah. you get, it's, you have, where it gets, you get more hungry every time you eat it because it's only, it's like a negative number, but no, it's like a fraction. It's subtraction stew what they're eating right yes it's an infinite series of uh why isn't everyone dead numbers asymptotic gazpacho just didn't really <laughs> sound as good <laughs> is that the right word i think that's the right word for that uh it gets yeah. closer and closer to zero yeah yeah mm-hmm. the trick was let's see if i can remember so the math, math magician is the oh, yeah. brother of king Azaz, and they really as and the trick is they can never agree so that whatever because King Azaz had said, well, go ahead, go rescue Ryman Reeson so we can bring them back and everybody can be happy again. And Milo tells the math magician, oh, I'm going to go rescue, I'm here to rescue Ryman Reeson. And the math magician says, no, you can't. I can't let you because the other guy said you could, so I say you can't. And then Milo's trick is, so he's like, oh, whatever he says, you disagree with. So don't you agree that don't you both agree that whatever he says you're going to disagree with? Hey, don't you agree you'll never agree? Yeah. He's like, you know, fuck. Like, I don't know how to... I should have spent more time on formal logic in my math training, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it's like the phrase, this sentence is a lie. Wait a minute, is it? Or is it not? Oh my God. Okay, so we won't get into that. Um, and so the ma- math magician is like, fine. Fuck, man. <laughs> Are you still thinking about that? I am. <laughs> I'm also at the same time I'm thinking, why should that matter? But <laughs> like in life, like it's, I mean, I don't want us to turn into the kind of conversation very, very baked people have. Like, whoa! And what if when I see green, you don't see the same green? But we both like sublime. Okay, so I remember having those conversations in high school. <laughs> I don't need to do that again. I'm a grown up now. So yeah, he tricks him, and he's like, "Fuck you!" I also like um, when the mine when he's like. Do you get any bigger numbers because it's only zero to nine? He's like, oh, yeah, look at this big one here. And it's a, just like a giant eight. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, no, no, no. I meant the longest number. And then it's just a three that's just really, really wide. And that's just. <laughs> look at the size of that three. That's what I tell the ladies. <laughs> it's, only, it's only three inches, but it's, very, it's a very long three inches. <laughs> He's like, oh, what about any small ones? He's like, oh, yeah, check this out. I just got a, a five-eighths the other day or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's a cute idea. They br- they, uh, sometimes the numbers break and they use them to make fractions. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. It does. Since, since Milo tricks him, Math Magician's like, God damn it, fine. You, you have my blessing, I guess. Like, you can go save the people that I'm helping in prison? I don't know. Yeah, and he goes, well, it's going to take a long time to get there. Unless you just go up these stairs over here. Go ahead. So, okay. He's like, you can go over there on, like, the road to infinity. He's like, that sounds like it's going to take a while. Or these stairs, which is 
the staircase of infinity. <laughs> like, Wait, oh, God damn it. And that's where he meets the half a kid, right? Or the guy who's like, I'm point, point five, five eight. eight. <laughs> yeah, of a kid. Because, he, you know, most families have 2.58 children, and he's the 0.58. And he is <laughs> bleeding so much. It's just like piles of organs on the steps. <laughs> Screaming, like, please kill me. <laughs> but it's only got half a face, like, please kill me. Yeah, it's, it's five-eighths, like, <laughs> vertically, not like he's got no legs. Like, half of his body up, up and down is gone. You just have a little bit of an extra, uh, you know, the second nostril. Yeah. It's just a little hair more than half. But it's, I thought that was funny, too, because he's like, well, you know, most families have 2.58 kids. And most families have households have 1.3 cars, and I'm the only one that could drive the point three car. So I drive it all the time. I'm like, wait, you're a child, but whatever. I mean, that's probably not the thing I should be worrying about in this story. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Milo's driving the whole time, so. And they, but they randomly get different vehicles. Like they get a thing, like a donkey cart that <laughs> just like propels itself. And then they get through the uh, the mountains of ignorance, and then they meet a whole bunch of other things. And like the, the one I didn't actually get what the joke was: the gelatinous giant. Who's like I just turn just into is that like, he was like I just turn into the shape of whatever it is and I eat things. I Means like and a Milo has mold to joke because that was big in the sixties. He's just filled with floating marshmallows. Yeah. In them. <laughs> <laughs> like they've taken to a, a potluck and people see that they're like, oh god, that again. It's horrifying. Oh, no one likes the lime green Jello, Janet. Stop bringing that. <laughs> it was a, it was a joke of the time. It didn't really it didn't age as well as the other ones. Oh, well, there's that uh, there's some the trivium. Yeah, I forgot what that one. I forgot what that these one were did. all these are all demons that were blocking his way to the castle, but they're all demons of like moderate inconveniences, not like torture and murder and death. It's just like pick up all the grains of sand and move them over here and fill this eyedropper but and with empty tweezers. this well. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Oh, the trivium makes everything trivial, and you can't ever do what you want to do. You can only do what you don't want to do. Something like that. I like the guy who told him to do the get the tweezers and the eyedropper. He had no face, but he's just wearing a suit. I pictured basically it's Slenderman just sitting there in the woods. Yeah, before he started killing, he made people do dumb tasks, and then eventually he got he realized that that was a very slow way to kill people, <laughs> a lifetime of mundanity. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of stupid creature things, and they're all trying to stop them. But Milo f- manages to manages manages to avoid or just escape them uh, pretty easily. For a kid who reads at a kindergarten level, <laughs> but he's apparently really clever. Then they go, they finally get to the castle, and they meet Rhyme and Reason. And the biggest, f- most fucked up thing in the book, Rhyme doesn't rhyme when she speaks. That's fucking stupid. Like, I, I know what they're what he's going for. They rhyme and reason, okay, yeah, yeah, without, you know. But Rhyme should have rhymed. Everyone else did what their name said. The spelling bee spelt words and presumably went buzz occasionally. Then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the trivium guy did trivial shit. The dog makes a clock noise. The watchdog makes a clock. Why didn't she rhyme? Why it was that was really first? That was like, come on, you couldn't have made her rhyme a little bit. Drop the ball, or just rhyme with whatever reason said. Make sure like modern poetry. It's free verse. <laughs> so then they meet them and they're like, oh cool, we'll go, but we don't have to go yet. Why don't we like take a minute? And he's like, I kind of like have shit to do. Like, I don't really want to live here. For and she's, all right. But then like the demons are like the castle is like on a giant pole or something. I guess that they try to chop it down, and they like the castle like is going to fall out of the sky. I forget exactly how that. I don't really understand the engineering of the castle in the air, but they have to jump out of the castle and ride on the flying watchdog because you know 
sometimes time flies, and that's really what they say in the book, uh, as the castle collapses to the ground. For the castle, I was definitely picturing the Airy from uh, Game of Thrones, which is a castle on yeah. the top of a really fucking big mountain. I could see that. We did read the, game, the first Game of Thrones book. And you know what? When that old bastard puts out the next one, we'll read the next one. Don't so never. we won't ever. <laughs> we probably will read it, though. So then they come down, they and then there's the like a battle. Taker. No, but then, oh, then the census taker, the yeah. The census taker was kind of funny because, you know, he's senses as in like, you know, taste, touch, and sight senses. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, of course. I'll, you just have to fill out these forms in triplicate and like to answer <laughs> dumb questions. And it's like census questions, you know, where were you born and what's your, un- what's your parents' names? And it's like, what's your uncle's shirt size? And just like a really it's long demon list of, of bureaucracy. This is the chapter that Ayn Rand wrote. Which <laughs> was, like, this is a problem, making us do paperwork and having regulations. And I forget how they get around him. I think they just they say just no. no well, I think doing actually, they, don't, they, they actually answer all the questions, and then they go. It doesn't matter. But he takes their sense. He, he like fools them you know, with the census-taking thing, where they all kind of hear or see or smell the thing they want to sense. Like the dog smells a bone, I guess, or something. I don't know. And the humbug hears people cheering for him because he's such a worthless piece of shit that he just wants people to like him. And Milo sees something. Maybe he sees, like, a princess or he sees going home. I forget what he sees. But then they realize, wait, that's like a mirage. And the census says, yeah, just take your senses. <laughs> that's, haven't you figured out this book yet? And they're like, oh, all right, we're just going to leave then. And they do. And and then they do. And then, oh, isn't the census taker before he gets all the way to the top of the castle? Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, so they escape, and then King Azaz and all the characters you met in the first half, they come at like, it's like an army, like it's Lord of the Rings. The writers of Rohan come, you know, <laughs> come to their aid, uh, and then they have a little battle with the demons. And, then, and it's really then not it's much detail there. It's just kind of like, and then they beat them. No. Like, there's not really any battle scene i mean not that you need a battle scene for eight-year-olds but they just beat them by not being pedantic shitheads <laughs> and uh then they're like you know what let's have a let's have a uh and i and you know i'm very mature but a gay cirque a gay carnival <laughs> and then they literally what they say at one point they have a gay carnival party celebration thing where they just meet in kind of like the middle of the land between all the stupid places they saw which is like digitopolis and did I topple us? And then, uh, did you topple us? No. And then the Valley of Sound and then like Queef Mountain or like wherever all the places and they like go and then they have a big tent thing and they party. And then Milo's like, I need to go home now. And then he just is home. He like, where's that toll booth again? And, uh, everyone, everything's fixed. Like wisdom. Like, oh, also like the whole land is called wisdom, right? Like the whole planet or whatever is wisdom and everything is, Rhyme and reason are restored, and and King Azaz stops being an as asshole, and the math magician are friends again, and everything's great. And Milo was told the secret. Oh yeah, yeah. that I the thing that they were the thing where they were like, "Well, we've got a thing. We got to tell you about it, but not till you get back." And he's told, "Oh, it was impossible. It was impossible to rescue Rhyme and Reason, but." You did it anyway. Isn't that amazing? Great. I highlighted this. But if you were told then, you might not have gone. And as you've discovered, so many things are possible. Just as long as you don't know, they're impossible. Okay, great. And then they sing a song. 
<laughs> and then Milo is like, okay, got to go. And then he ends up back at his The place. latchkey house that he lives in because his parents are never in the story. <laughs> And, and then like, he's I must like, have been you know gone what? for weeks. He's, but nobody cared about him. And then he's like, oh. And he's back. He's like, wow. Real life's boring again. I want to go on another trip. But the toll booth isn't there. It's gone. And, and then there's a little note that invented. says, I had to give it to somebody else. Sorry. They needed it. And uh, the end. Well, but it's not that you make it sound like it's a bummer. But he's like, oh, but I could go. You know, the whole more, the whole, one of the things I got out of the book is like, he hates school and learning because no one's ever explained to him why it's valuable. And now he's seen like, oh, knowing shit and understanding things is important because if you have a world, you know, without rhyme or reason, without, you know, uh, who is that? I forget one of the fucking dumb characters says like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we got it right, if we got it right for the wrong reason or the right reason just as long as you get it right or something like that somebody says they're just like who cares we're not really we're just kind of going on autopilot and doing things because that's what we're supposed to do or we think we're supposed to do and and nobody thinks about it like that's not a fun way to live like so he now understands like learning is valuable and important and now he's going to go do it and they also there's like you know part of the speech there the reason is you must never feel badly about making mistakes as long as you take the trouble to learn from them for you often learn more by being wrong for the right reasons than you do by being right for the wrong reasons. And I think at another point, a character says the direct opposite, like one of the shithead guys that they meet at some point. And one is, as long, who cares if you're, you know, as long as we're right, even for the wrong reasons. And they're like, no, that's not what's valuable in life. And he goes, but there's so much to learn, frowny face. And they said, yes, that's true. But it's not just learning things that's important. It's learning what to do with what you learn and learning why you learn things at all that matters. And then a little bit later, for whenever you learn something new, the whole world becomes that much richer. So I felt like that was like the whole moral for a child in this book. And so the Mm -hmm. ending is supposed to be optimistic. I was going to go do that. Which, can't disagree with any of that. No, it's fine. Okay, I started to read it as a kid, but and I didn't like it. I assume kids do like it, but why? I think I think kids like it. You know, it's certainly not all kids like it, but the ones who do are probably kids who like wordplay things and silliness, and they're probably like advanced readers for their age. Because I can't imagine like a twelve-year-old reading this book and loving it the same way. You know, I I, I would think like a, I think like a third or fourth grader who is reading at grade level, would would read this and be like, oh, this is kind of funny. The vocabulary, uh, unfortunately, the vocabulary is way too high of a grade level, though, for fourth grade. I mean, it's full of not just some difficult words, but also idioms, phrases that fourth graders aren't just aren't going to know, so they won't get the joke. You know, that officer shrift was really short. Definitely. I mean, Jimmy didn't get that, and he's fucking Well, I saw that he said he was short. I got that he was short. I didn't understand that shrift was a word for short. But he gave long sentences. That's true. I think that was another joke it was. I don't know who this is who this was for. I mean, this was written at a time when like children's literature was just not really the same thing it is today, where people are much more conscious of not only sentence length and paragraph length and and vocabulary, but also theme and you know plot making it you know paste for children and 
and approachable for kids. Like this was it's from 1961. You know, it's much more in the line of like the Mary Poppins book we read than it is in whatever the fuck kids read now. I have no idea what it is. What's like a book for? I don't know. Let's call it even a fifth grader. You know, because now there's like the YA genre, but that's really that's like really geared towards like middle school students. You know, a lot of those deal with much heavier things. It's a lot of it about like bullying or you know death and your your identity and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot more heavy stuff there for older kids. I don't know what for like the grade school kids these days. Not a clue. So I don't know who it's for. I guess that's our all of our question, right? All of us are asking that same same question. I mean, the, the thing you said before the quote before, like, oh, it's the kind of book you can revisit or whatever the quote was yeah like well yeah by the time when you're an adult you can like okay i get that joke i'm too old to think that joke's funny but you know i do now (laughs) get that vocabulary (laughs) word or that phrase or that saying so you know i guess i would get some i would i definitely got something different from it now than i would have had i read the whole thing through when i was a kid maybe it's just a book for child prodigies or but it's but the but the moral of the book is for like smart kids who aren't applying themselves. Yeah. You know, like you could do so much, but you don't think it's worth it. Here's why it's worth it. Learning that's could the, be cool. That's a cool message. Kind of one that I probably could have stood to learn a little bit when I was in school and not really being a very good student and But the likelihood that a kid who isn't doesn't like it or doesn't like learning that he's going to read this book and be like, I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's, for, it's, pretty, it's a very specific child. This is <laughs> it's a kid who's not doing great but wants to do better. <laughs> and can read really well, even though they hate school. It's like naturally gifted but slacking. Like th- this niche is getting smaller and smaller. And they're named Norman. <laughs> Norton, or whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> Milo. <laughs> No, like the guy who wrote the book. Oh. I feel like he's writing it for himself or like his, you know, he had, he, had, he, he had a kid who was doing this exact thing. He's like, I'll write a book to set this kid straight. But it's very famous. Everyone knows the cartoon, at least. I've never seen the cartoon, actually. I didn't yeah, even know it existed. I, maybe, maybe I'm making it up in my head, but it's basically just an animated version of... The, it's drawn exactly the same. Maybe it's not a whole cartoon. Maybe I'm just imagining it based on those pictures. Cause I remember the pictures like the back of my hand. I don't think I ever read this book as a kid, but the characters, like at least the dog and the animation style was very, very familiar. Let's see. I think it, I think the movie was made in like the 70s, right? So The cartoon, yeah? Phantom Tollbooth. 1970 American live action slash animated fantasy film. Notice he like turned the cartoon and goes into the other world. Oh, yeah, probably. That old, that old uh, chestnut. I don't know if uh, the dude who did the art was involved or if they just copied his shit relentlessly. Like Mel Blanc did all the voices. <laughs> well, he, he, I think he was contractually obligated to do every cartoon voice for several decades. It was just him. Pretty much, yeah. Till, till he, till he, when he croaked, like they had to hire like 400 people at Warner Brothers. <laughs> <to replace him>. <laughs> <laughs> the budget's... Went crazy after that. Oh man, Thurl Ravenscroft was in it. He's the guy who did the "You're a Mean Old Mr. Grinch" song, and he has the best name that's ever been given in the in the Thurl world. Thurl Ravenscroft. Thurl Ravenscroft. 
Okay. How fu- and that's his fucking actual name. <laughs> Thurl. <laughs> it's short for Thurly. Thurlyum. Thurl Arthur Ravenscroft. That's a fucking also, Harry Potter character. He was he was a voice actor from Nebraska, <laughs> who was also the um, uh, Tony the Tiger. So I've never saw the movie. I you know if I get a chance to watch it, I'll check it out perhaps. I don't know who this is for, and I didn't really love it reading it now. No, I didn't either. If that wasn't clear, <laughs> well, when you shook your head, no, I understood, but the listener. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it, you know what? I love puns more than most people, but this, it just, it just felt really one note after a while. And the message, while I think the message is valuable and important for kids and adults to know, like learning is a value is valuable in and of itself. And trying is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, trying and failing is not a bad thing. It's like not trying at all is the bad thing, right? Those are great messages that we all could stand to be reminded of from here from time to time. I just felt that this book was too long and too silly and, and not very engaging. I'd say like three quarters of the chapters in the middle could have been any one of them removed or all of them removed. And the story would have been exactly the same. Yeah. It was just more examples of the same thing. Like he had more ideas, which was fine. But it's just like, this book is 90% one-off jokes. If this was written today, this would have been a series, and each of those characters would have been like in a different book. You know, this would have been like five books, mm-hmm. and then they would have had more development and like more crap happen with them. Then that might not be, so. then it wouldn't have felt so frenetic. You know, just like, oh, and here's another guy. No, oh, he's funny too. Ha-ha. And, and they'd have on. to defeat the evil math magician, you know. By the end of the series, exactly. You know, but I, I mean, and it's, it's horcruxes. <laughs> <laughs> Four cruxes. Oh that's God! What he used? Oh shit! There it is. I. That's the crux yeah. of the matter. Oh God damn it! He's from the upper crux of society. <laughs> oh no! We need to stop. We're, we've caught whatever disease <laughs> Norton Juster had. Um, it's not like we read the New Yorker all the time. <laughs> So I thought it was, uh, you know, it's fine. Who should read it? What do you think? I don't know if anyone should. If you're a grown-up listening to this, and I hope you are, I don't think you need to read this if you've never read it before. And if you have read it before, you've read it before, so you don't have to read it again. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you loved it as a kid, you you would discover some new things about it. And then there's a nostalgia element to that experience a lot of people love this book maybe they're not remembering it right well you know you never know people review it online on goodreads and stuff like that and they might just put like oh i remember reading that book as a kid and i loved it and they're remembering a thing from 20 years ago or longer you know yeah where your memory of 25 years is kind of you know depending on your experience it could be either like very rosy tinted or you know, really bleak, but <laughs> you're like bullied or something. It's all going to look terrible, but you know, they're not probably remembering it accurately and they probably haven't just reread it. Many of those people, I would guess. I mean, I put, I've like put things on Goodreads. So like, have you read this book? Like, oh yeah, I didn't read that book in seventh grade. 
I'll put I read it just so I could feel better about myself or something. And then, I don't know, how many stars do you get? I don't know. I, I liked it. Four stars. <laughs> uh, fucking, who the fuck knows? It was 1998. <laughs> and, and so you just kind of throw a number out there. And if you were reread it now, sometimes, as we've had this experience on the podcast, you reread a book from your youth, and you're like, man, this is not very good. Or, oh, this is actually better than I remembered. Or it was just, you know, or it's just as I remember it, like that. There's no guarantee one one or the other, one or any other. But if you've never read it before, it's not a huge investment in time, but I don't think it's a necessarily a really worthwhile investment in time. It might be fun to read with your kid if your kid is, you know, seven or eight and you read together, you know, at night or something. Because then you could... And they like puns. But then you could talk about it and explain some of that shit. And you could be like, what do you think about this? You know, like... Like good reading to your kids looks like, but I, I think just handing to a child I'm like here go read this book. I don't I don't think most kids are gonna like it these days. I mean I could and I could see reading it to a kid to to teach them things like to teach them wordplay is pretty hard. Well yeah, because Doctor Seuss is the only other guy that does that, but he really doesn't do wordplay. He just fucking makes up words. It's easy to rhyme when <laughs> thirty five to fifty percent of the words are not real words. <laughs> It's a very successful strategy. <laughs> it's like, I can't think of something. It's a mazurka perka duck pickens. Wow. <laughs> well, nothing rhymes with orange. Uh, yeah, darange. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and moving on. Didn't you tell I was so wise with my skirple cover color tie? <laughs> like, just, you just hear him saying to himself, I fucking nailed it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> call me I'm not, I'm not Mr. Seuss. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he has a PhD in... Wordology. <laughs> Rhyme studies. Linguistics. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess I guess what we're saying is don't bother. Right? Is that what we're saying? It's fine, but you don't need to do it. Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Nort. Uh, sorry we shit Did on your read book. It? Did he write anything else? You know, I think like the maj- rest of it, he like, worked as an architect most of his life. Oh. Apparently. Though I think he did write some other books, but he's he wrote a book called The Dot and the Line. Oh, God, it's a book entirely about Morse code. <laughs> it's called written, The Dot. Written entirely in Morse code. Oh, no. <laughs> it's called The Dot and the Line, a romance in lower mathematics. Oh, oh Jesus God. Christ. I don't like it's this man. It's geometry. <laughs> Run away. He wrote a few other random books. Super, you know, super ten- spy, Archie Tech. Who <laughs> Archie <laughs> <laughs> He solves crimes with the power of knowing what a gothic revival is as opposed to a real gothic. <laughs> and just taking out the load bearing walls of his enemies. <laughs> <laughs> this building's not up to code. <laughs> he wrote some other random books. A lot of them are just like out of print and like and most people have forgotten all about them. Just kind of a Kind of a one hit wonder. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. He, he wrote something. He wrote like a children's picture book in 2005 that the illustrator won an award for. Won the Caldecott, which is the the illustration prize for children's books. Mm. But like, he's really. I mean, this is really what he's known for. Well, all right. It's a one hit wonder, and you know, it's just like when people are like, "Hey, Aha is not a one hit wonder." They wrote that one shitty Bond song, "The Living Daylights." He's, yeah. He's 
well, he's not living in any daylights anymore, this guy, because no. he's dead. <laughs> but he basically is a, a one-hit wonder. The majority of his books don't even have a Wikipedia entry, <laughs> such as I'm looking at right now. Ooh, that's, a, that's like the societal standard for importance, isn't it? That's, that's you, my do level. Do you merit a one-sentence Wikipedia summary? No? Then it's probably not important. Not even, this was a book by this guy. It came out this year. This article is a stub. Can you help by expanding it? <laughs> no, props to him and his descendants who will live off the royalties of this and live well. Rest in peace, Nordy. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long and you haven't already done so, head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub if you're so inclined where you can support the podcast. Uh, and if not, you could also just leave us a review wherever you're listening. Uh, and hopefully a good one. That'll help us out as well. And check us out on Goodreads. You can be our friend and you can join our book discussions group, which could use more people so they can discuss things. It's more disgusting than discussing. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters that are not disgusting. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.